listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up. And go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. I think the nine lepers who didn't come back get a bad rap. I think they get a bad rap. Because do you know about leprosy? It was a horrible disease. It was caused by bacteria that eat the flesh. So you would get these open wounds and sores on on your skin, visible sores and and wounds, and it would just keep getting worse. They didn't understand at the time what caused leprosy, but they knew that if, if one person came into contact with somebody who has it, there's a chance you would catch it also. And so they deemed lepers to be unclean. And they, which meant that they were not permitted to live at home. They were not permitted to work. They were not permitted to live within society. They had to be separate, out on the fringes of the community. And because they couldn't work, they were dependent then on either family or friends bringing them food, or they just had to beg. They had to beg for for people to help them. It was a horrible, horrible existence. And what's interesting in this story is that they must have heard about Jesus. They must have heard that he was healing people. They must have heard that he could do incredible things because when they see him coming, they they cry from a distance. They, they, They know not to come near him. They just cry out from a distance, help us, help us. And what's interesting here in this passage, Jesus doesn't go over to them. He just simply says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, the reason he said that is for them to be re-entered into society, they have to go to the temple, they have to meet with the priest, the priest will examine them. If the blemishes are gone, then they go through a ritualistic bathing, a cleansing, and they can return home and back to life as usual. Well, these ten cried out to Jesus for help, and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And they left. They went. They weren't healed yet. 
Do you, do you see what's going on here? They weren't healed yet, but yet they started going to Jerusalem to see the priest. That, is that not an act of faith? It's an act of faith. They did what Jesus told them to do. Well, as they're going, suddenly the blemishes disappear. And they, they begin to realize that they're healed. And nine of them start running, I'm sure, to the temple. They're going to get there as quickly as they can because they want to go home. They want to live their lives. Can we fault them for that? Can we fault them for that? I mean, don't we live our lives every day? How often in the course of your day do you think about God? Like I asked the children this morning, you know, how often do we stop in the course of our day just to say thank you to God for the blessings we experience? In fact, we don't think about it much at all. What do we think about? Our schedules, our calendars. I've got my cell phone. I like to call it my brain right over there on my chair, right? These rule our lives. Last thing I do before I go to bed, check my schedule one more time, make sure I'm not going to miss something in the morning. First thing I do in the morning, take a look at that one more time, right? Get ready for the day. We're consumed by our, our routines. We're consumed by our, our to-do lists. We've got work. We've got school. We've got our marriages. We've got to, to, to take care of our finances. We have tons of responsibilities, and we think that's where our focus needs to be. And we don't often stop simply to say thank you. Well, this one leper, he was different. He turned around. He started praising God with a loud voice as he made his way back to Jesus. I imagine Jesus heard him coming, you know? He heard this guy coming, just offering these loud, vociferous praises to God as he's working his way back to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, he lays on his face. That's what prostrate means. He lays flat on his belly, on his face, on the ground, thanking Jesus. But I think the reason he came back was not simply because he was healed. The reason he came back was because he could see what the other nine couldn't see. He recognized that his healing was bigger than just him. He recognized that there was this guy named Jesus who came into the world to change the world, to, to draw people into healing, to draw people into love, to draw people into relationship, to draw people into oneness with God and with each other. He could see that this Jesus was up to something way larger than himself. And I imagine he became one of Jesus' followers after this. He, he went around telling everybody what God had done for him. He couldn't keep his mouth closed. Everyone had to know. And he was inviting people also to be followers of Jesus. He, I just know this is what's going on here. And so for us, what happens in our lives is we have blessing beyond blessing. We can't count the blessings in our lives. We can't count them. We're not hungry. I mean, maybe you skipped breakfast this morning, but I'm not talking about that kind of hunger. I'm talking about the kind of hunger that, that creates these pangs in you where, where children cry themselves to sleep because they're so hungry. We don't experience that. We have access to food 24-7. We have health care. Our kiddos get sick. We got loads of hospitals and clinics we can take them to. 
We have access to medicines. Do you know how many children will die today of a curable disease in some developing nation because there's no access to health care? We have education. We have clean water. We go over to the tap. We don't even think about it when we turn it on in order to fill our cup to take a drink. We are blessed beyond measure. But all it takes is one negative thing. All it takes is one bad thing to happen in our lives, and we start saying, where are you, God? Don't you love us, God? Don't you care about us, God? Why aren't you helping us, God? Right? One negative thing, and all the blessings are discounted because one bad thing happened that caused us pain. What would it look like every single day for us to to become aware, to spend time in some contemplative postures where we become aware of the blessings in our lives? I mean, I got to talk about this newborn here. What's his name? Brooks. Brooks. Brooks is three weeks old. But you know, he poops. He poops. Sometimes it squirts out the sides of the diaper. It's green, has that weird smell. You know what I'm talking about? And that certainly discounts his goodness, right? Of course not! Of course not! He, he cries in the middle of the night, wakes his parents up. Shame on him, right? That's, that discounts his goodness, right? Of course not. We can look at a newborn and just see beauty and goodness and love and and have such a a sense of gratitude even though he comes with dirty diapers and a loud cry that sometimes wakes us straight out of our sleep. We can still see the blessing. And so what would it be like every day for us to be in a contemplative posture, being aware of the blessings we have in our lives, so aware that we recognize that the negative things that are happening don't discount the blessing. They don't discount the good. They don't discount the love that we're experiencing in our lives. But maybe we go beyond that. See, I think we're called to be contemplative activists. It's not just enough to be aware to be thankful. This one who came and ran back to Jesus, it changed his life. It changed his worldview. He never saw anything else the same because of his experience with Jesus. And he began to live differently because now he realized he's a part of something that God is doing in this world. He's a part of the healing of the world. He's a part of the reconstructing of the world. He's a part of the recreation of the world and bringing people together and creating a day, working toward a day where no one's hungry. No one's alone. No one's pushed to the fringes. Everyone is seen as a beautiful child of God, warts and all. And everyone is loved, right? He could see, and he wanted to be a part of that movement. Can we not only have a sense of gratitude for what God is doing in our lives, but can we be so inspired that we change how we live? We reprioritize how we live. We don't see our money to be used simply for ourselves. We, we don't see our, our, our education and our intelligence only to be used for ourselves. We don't see our gifts and abilities only to be used for ourselves that we actually want to be a part of God's movement of love and life in the world. And every single day, we engage in that contemplative activity 
that helps us to be aware of the blessings we have, counting our blessings, being aware of, of, of what's happening in and around ourselves, what God is getting done in this world, and we make a decision to participate in that activity. Governments aren't going to heal this world. Governments are not going to heal this world. Money is not going to heal this world. Wealth, power. What's going to heal the world, what's going to heal the ills, what's going to heal the violence and the divides and, and, and all of the, the, the things that devour life is love. It's the only thing. It's the only thing. Now, it's money driven by love. See, it's government driven by love. It's, it's society driven by love. But it's love that does all of this, not just these things themselves. And we get to be a part of this at home, at school, at work, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go. So um, the next time you're driving and somebody cuts you off and they send you half of a peace sign, And your inclination is to do what? Same thing back, right? Blow the horn, you know, give, give them the other half of the peace sign, whatever that is. Um, say a prayer for them. Respond with kindness. Don't react back. When that person in your family who, who you know who they are, they push your buttons, they know where it is, they say those things, it drives you nuts, they bring up politics, they bring up whatever, you know it's not gonna end well. Whenever they do it and they get on your last nerve, instead of doing what you usually do, which is ignore them or fight with them, respond with kindness. Respond with gentleness. Engage them in a, in a loving way. The person at work who, who's only into themselves, who, who, who uh, doesn't, doesn't regard other people with kindness. Maybe it's because they've never felt kindness themselves. Maybe they think that's what they're supposed to be as human beings, and no one has ever shown them what it looks like to be compassionate and gentle and to work as a team. You see, what I'm trying to say here is you know you're blessed. You know you're blessed, but don't let the blessings end with you. Don't let the blessings stop with you. Just as Jesus was willing to die, to give his whole life in order to produce life for the world, we are called not just to be thankful and to have gratitude, but to do everything we can to perpetuate God's mission of life for the world. And it doesn't happen on a macro scale per se. It happens in our daily lives and how we orient ourselves, how we focus ourselves, how we respond to, to, to ugliness, how we respond to attack, how we respond to, to things that we consider to be negative. The next time you experience something negative, I want you to stop. And before you're filled with fear, I want you to just start count, counting blessings. Just count blessings. I have the privilege of walking with people when they get to the end of life. And one of the things that I appreciate is right there in the moment when people are in this time of grief, it doesn't take long before people start talking about what they appreciated about this person, how this person was a blessing to them. 
the gratitude they had for this person's life. Why do we wait till people die to tell them that? Why do we wait till the funeral to say those things? Why can't we let people know today and every day how we appreciate them, how we're thankful for them, how they're a blessing in our life? I'm thinking that will make for a better society than a society where people are at each other's throats and divided and attacking. When God raised Jesus from the dead, God showed us emphatically that love and life will win. Love and life will win. Love and life will win. Not wars, not famine, not violence, not hatred. Love and life will win. And it's our job that when we're in the moments of the pain and the anguish, our job is to point people to the vision of love and life. May we be as impassioned for praising God. May we be as impassioned for, for thanking God. May we be as impassioned for serving God as that one leper was so that people might see joy, they might see hope, they might experience love through us. Cling to your trust in this God of life and love and truly live. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.